the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit us at church-redeemer.org. The following program is sponsored by Kettering Baptist Church. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I want to invite our attention on this morning to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7 reads as follows. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. For what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Amen. Father in heaven, we need you on this day that you might preach a clear word from on high, a word that may cause someone who's lost to come asking, what must I do to be saved? Draw them, Lord God, this day out of darkness into the, your marvelous light. Let us not be able to just sit by the fire, but Lord, let us come into the family of Christ today. Father, if there are others here in the midst who have drifted in fellowship, preach a word through these lips of clay that would draw them back into fellowship with you, Heavenly Father. I pray, God, in all that happens in the preaching of this gospel, that your name would get glory, that we would glorify you and we would praise you and exalt you, for you alone are worthy of it all. Now, Lord, I surrender myself as a vessel, an instrument in your hand. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your articulation. I need you, God, to speak through me so that the people who hear this word would know they have heard from God on high. Speak a word, Heavenly Father, in this place that would cause your name to get all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving and expectation. Amen. We have been preaching through a series of messages entitled, Don't Underestimate the Power of Prayer. I am convinced that there are far too many born-again children of God, part of the family of Christ, adopted into his family with the names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who do not know the power that they possess in prayer. In fact, far too often, we kind of push prayer to the back of the line as if it's the last and final thing we can do, and, and then it's somehow febile. But what I want you to understand in the process of this whole series of messages, that prayer is powerful. It is, in fact, the most powerful weapon we have. And so we need to stop underestimating its power because in our underestimation of its power, we're not using the most powerful resource we have to deal with the warfare that we're in. 
And so we started this journey in Philippians chapter 4. We spoke to you from the subject matter, prayer brings joy, rejoicing, and peace. And the peace that it comes through prayer is a peace that surpasses all of the understanding of man. Who couldn't use that kind of peace? And then last week we looked at Ephesians chapter 6. We talked from the idea prayer allows you to withstand the enemy's assaults. First of all, you have to prepare for the enemy. You need to know who your enemy is and who you're fighting. Uh, I would probably suggest that we can probably stop a whole lot of people fighting if we realize that people are not our enemy. We saw in Ephesians that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So you've got to know who your enemy is and prepare for him by getting dressed up in armor that will allow you to withstand his assault when he comes. We also learned on last week we need to also pray in the spirit that is in line with what the spirit of God wants to pray. Let the spirit of God pray through you. And then finally, praying, persevering in watchfulness, praying, knowing that God has heard your prayer, will answer your prayer. And you're watchful, waiting for the answer to come because, you know, you prayed according to the will and purpose and plan of God for your life. So on this morning, as we look here in this particular passage of scripture, I need to kind of open up something and help us to understand that all prayer is not the same. First of all, we did identify prayer as a conversation we're having with God. It is us speaking to God, but also us taking time to listen to God speak to us. Prayer is dialogue. But there's different kinds of prayers. There's prayer of intercession. That's when I'm praying or you're praying in the place of someone else. You're interceding on someone else's behalf. You're praying for a family member, a loved one, a friend. There is the prayer of thanksgiving. That's when you're praying, just giving thanks to God for the multitude of blessings that he's poured in your life, for the protection of your life, for many ways in which God has just been favorable. Matter of fact, sometimes in our prayer of thanksgiving, we ought to just be thanking him for being God. There is a prayer of dedication and consecration. That's the prayer when you're setting aside things for the service of God, for the use of God, consecrating it unto God, purifying it for God and for his usage. There's the prayer of praise and worship. Sometimes in our prayer, we ought to just spend time worshiping God and praising God and exalting God, not asking for anything, just exalting him and worshiping him and praising him and lifting him up. Then there is the prayer of confession. Now this prayer is when you are confessing your wrong. Amen. You are confessing your sin. Y'all do know something about that, right? When you say, Lord, I did it. And so we actually come before the, the Lord to confess our wrongdoings, our sin, to confess our shortcomings, if you will, in life. And then there is a prayer also of meditation. This prayer is just when I'm just sitting before the Lord listening. I'm just, I'm just meditating on him. I'm thinking about him. I'm, I'm waiting to hear from him. I'm in poised position to receive from God. There's different kinds of prayers. But the prayer that you are probably most commonly familiar with and you probably thought was the only kind of prayer is the prayer of petition. Petition is when you're asking for something. That's when you come before God, you tell him what he doesn't know that you need. And you demand it from him as if he was somehow some ecclesiastical bellhop waiting to just run and grab for you all the things that you need. And so that's the prayer petition when we're asking God for those things. And, and we think that that's the only kind of prayer, but there's multiple kinds of prayer. But on today, I want to kind of focus on petition prayer in this series of, of chapters here, chapter five, six, seven, is what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. 
And on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching and preaching, if you will, giving insight to his disciples and all that are gathered there on the mountainside. And he's teaching them all these principles and all this greatness. And so around about chapter 6, he begins to turn and focus his attention of teaching on prayer. He begins by telling them, first of all, don't pray in the hypocrisy of the synagogue leaders. They like to pray out loud and in public, all adorned, and, and they want to be seen and they want to be heard. He lets them know they have their reward for, for what they're doing. But don't take on that hypocritical kind of prayer attitude. He also tells them don't be praying just in vain repetition, saying the same thing all the time. He, don't think that that's going to make anything any better. So he's kind of teaching them this whole idea of prayer. He also gives them what is called the outline for prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's just an outline to outline for them how prayer ought to be structured. And we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and, you know, go on and on with that prayer. But that's just a pattern of prayer. He was not saying you need to say these exact words. What he was doing is giving the structure for how to approach the throne of God. First of all, we need to acknowledge and identify who we're talking to. Do you realize when you throw up a prayer petition into the heavenly realm, which is in the atmospheric realm, there are other things and entities in the atmospheric realm other than God. There is someone called the prince of the powers of the air. We call him Satan, Slewfoot, the devil. And so what we need to do when we pray, we need to first of all address who this message is going to. We need to put our father's stamp on it. Our father who art in heaven. That's what he gives him structure. And then we need to hollow his name. It's not Hollywood. You know, Hollywood is not his name. Hollywood be thy name. That's not... That's not really what his name is. His name is holy. He's giving you the structure for approaching the throne of God. To approach his throne, understanding that his name is holy. Holy would be his name. His kingdom is coming. His will be done. Not my will, not your will, but his will be done. He's giving us a structure for prayer, an outline for prayer. And so he goes through and shows us the whole outline, how we ought to pray, how we ought to approach the throne of God, how we ought to make our petitions known to God. He gives us that as an outline. And then as he moves from there, he says to them, look, now uh, what I need you to do is focus your heart on heaven. Because where your heart is, that's where your treasures are. And so if I get your heart focused on heaven, because in heaven, there are the treasures that are the answers to the prayers you're going to pray. If you've got your mind on the earth, then you're going to pray for earthly things. But earthly things will not satisfy a kingdom person. So you've got to have your mind on heavenly things because my heart is in heaven and my treasures are in heaven where moth and rust cannot get to it. So I'm praying for heavenly blessings because heavenly blessings are going to satisfy this kingdom child. The reason why sometimes we pray for stuff and even after we get it, we're not satisfied because we're praying for earthly stuff and earthly stuff won't satisfy a kingdom person. Now, an earthly person will be greatly satisfied with earthly things. So he said, set your mind and your affections on the things in heaven, not on the things in earth. And let your heart be focused on heaven because there are treasures in heaven. So as we come to this particular part of the text, what he does, he says, now 
there is a methodology of getting your prayers answered. Your petition prayer, he focused on this petition prayer. So I want to talk from the subject matter, petition prayer power. There is power in the prayer of petition. He starts off by saying to us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So he starts off by giving us a recipe, if you will, for perseverance of petition. He's going to give you three things to do to persevere in your pursuit of petitionary prayer. And he says, first of all, ask. Believe it or not, I thought this was simple. Why does he have to tell me to ask? Because there are people who, even though they have need, pride won't let them ask. So he needs to tell you to ask. And he says here in the text, ask and it will be given. Pastor, you got to be kidding me. You mean to tell me people can have need and not ask? Oh, yeah. People can come over your house. They be hungry, stomach growling. They ain't ate in a couple of days. You got a spread laid out there in the house. And you say, come on in. Help yourself. You want something to eat? No, nah, I'm all right. I'm good. Too much pride to ask. Broke, ain't got a dime to your name. You sitting at the lunch table with your buddies and your friends. You won't even ask them for $2 to buy a piece of bread because pride won't let you. And he says, put pride aside. Ask. Open your mouth and ask. And if you open your mouth and ask, it will be given. James chapter 4 says, you have not because you ask not. And a whole lot of people don't have certain things because you haven't asked for it. It's simple. He says, ask. Ask and it will be given. Then he comes back second round. He says, seek and you'll find it. Pastor, is he saying, seek what you want? No. He's not saying go seeking after stuff. How do I know that? Because in the context of this passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he tells us what to seek and how. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? Then all the things will be added to you. So if you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the things, what things, Pastor? All the things that heaven has in the treasury for you, they'll be added to you. I like this. Watch this. He says they're just going to be added to you. But he adds another part. He says, and his righteousness. See, a whole lot of people have have sought the kingdom. I want that kingdom ticket. I want to be able to get in. But they're not seeking the righteous walk. So he gives two qualifiers. Seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And if you seek the kingdom and the righteousness, all the other things, what you want, things, all the other things will be added to you. Seek and you'll find it. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now, his idea and concept of knock, when I read this, I said, well, you know, you can't knock unless you've pressed your way to a door. If you're at the door, That means you've moved from where you were and you've gotten close enough to whatever it is that you need or whatever it is that you're asking for. You've gotten that close. And so the only thing separating you from the request is a door. And he says, knock and the door will be open. See, a whole lot of folk get right to the door. Get disappointed. Oh, Lord, I didn't press my way all the way up here. I've been slaving. I've been fasting. I've been praying. And I'm at the door. But there's a door. Let me turn around and say, I, I ain't going no more. If you're at the door, your blessing is on the other side. Right. Knock on the door. 
if you didn't come that far, don't turn around just because there's a door there. Knock on the door. And knock on it like something behind the door belongs to you. I say you got to knock on that door like on the other side of that door is the blessing I need. Knock on the door like you the police. Knock with authority. There's something inside there and on the other side of that door. That belongs to me. Open the door. See, we get to the door and we're like, well, there's a door there. Knock on the door. Verse 8 says, everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Everyone. But far too many people won't even knock on the door. They get right there, won't even knock. This is what we do. We let fear and self-disqualification keep us from the answer to our petition. We get right there, and we're afraid. Oh, Lord. I'm not going to knock, because he might say no. Knock anyway. We get up there, and we say, this is when it really gets me, disqualifying yourself. Well, I ain't qualified to knock on the door because I'm not qualified. It's a little old me. Ain't none of us qualified. You wasn't qualified to be in the kingdom of heaven. But he brought you in anyhow through the blood of the lamb. So guess what? Since you didn't let me in, I'm going to ask. I'm going to knock. I'm going to seek. Don't you dare disqualify yourself from the blessing that God has for you. For the answer to the prayer God has for you. None of us is qualified. None of us deserves it. But the grace of God. Yeah. But his grace. Allows us access, and because we have access, ask for it, knock for it, seek for it, and it'll be given to you. The power of petition, boy, I tell you, don't erase your own blessing by disqualifying yourself. And I'll tell you, I gotta spend some time there because I feel like I'm talking to somebody. They get right there, and God said, Look, I got this for you. I don't have no degree. I didn't ask you, Did you have a degree? There ain't no sign on the door that says only those who have degree knock. You got right there. Well, um, I don't speak well. I didn't ask you, did you speak well? Knock on the door. Well, I, nobody ain't going to hire me. I'm too old. Ain't nobody asked you how old you were. Knock on the door. Ask for what you want. There's a kingdom treasury of unanswered prayers. That all you have to do is go to your father and tell him, that's what I want. So he says, look, we need to persevere in the petition. Secondly, he comes back, verse number nine, he says, Or oh, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Now, this is what I call a parental petition example. To, because what he does, he uses the example of a a normal parent. Jesus said, what normal parent do you know that when their child is hungry and the child asks for a piece of bread, what normal parent do you know that would give them a stone? And then he comes back a second time. He says, and also, what normal parent do you know that when their child asks for meat would give them a serpent? Or rather, give them something that would hurt them. Do you know any normal, normal parents that would do that? 
And so the example that he's giving here is that no normal parent would do this, especially when we're talking about the essential needs of the child. We're talking about bread and meat here, a sandwich. That's what we're talking about. So he says, if you are evil and won't do that, why do you expect your father to do something different? Because a normal parent will go out of their way to provide the basic essentials for their child. Now, I'm going to have to travel back in time a little bit. Y'all got to forgive me for my regression, but there was a time when parents would sacrifice their needs to make sure that their children had their basic needs. They went without shoes or clothes or eating a fine meal to make sure that the children had a decent meal to eat. The children had decent, clean clothes to wear. The children had the basic essentials of life. Now, I'm going back a ways because the modern day parent might not exactly function like that. Some of these modern day parents, their children will be hungry and they'll be fly to the nine. But in the olden days, Mama and daddy worked two, three jobs to make sure there was food on the table. That there was a roof over the head and that you wasn't getting put out on the street. They did what they could and they did everything they could to make sure the basic essentials were there for you. Now, you might not have had the top of the notch type of stuff. You might not have had Chuck Taylors. I know Chuckston came back now, but there was a time. When Chuck Taylor's cost $12, and I didn't get no Chuck Taylor's, but I had tennis shoes. I might have had some Maypops, but I had some tennis shoes. I, I didn't have all the, the, the fancy stuff, but Mama and Daddy made sure I had the basic things. I had at least a pair of pants. I didn't have six, seven pairs of jeans, and, and I didn't cut my own holes in them. Because by the time holes got in them in my day, it was time to get rid of them. Because I had wore them out, or somebody had passed them down to me, and then I had wore them out. Or I passed them down to my brother, and then he had wore them out. Our parents did what they could to make sure we had, and that we had the basics. And he says, and you are evil and do that. Last thing I'm out of your way. You got to see the preeminence of the petition provider. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You've got to understand you're not asking a mother or father who is earthly, who has limited resources for what you want. You're approaching a God who has the ability to provide everything you need. He has unlimited resources and he's got the power to disperse the resources in your direction. You've got to understand the preeminence of this petition provider. You're petitioning a God who is above every other God. There is no God like God. There's no comparison to him. There's none like him. He is superior and supreme. His name is above every other name because of Christ who gave his life on the cross, who died 2,000 some years ago and was crucified and buried in a tomb and raised the third day. He got up with all the power in his hand. And with that power, he's the 
one that holds the keys to the treasury of heaven. And if your mind is on the treasures of heaven, if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's got the power to release it in your direction. He is preeminent above every other and any other. Maybe today, the petition that you have a prayer first of repentance, a prayer of salvation that says, Lord, I want to come in. Maybe that's where you are today. Or maybe your prayer today is a prayer that says, Lord, I need to return to you. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.